Welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I am Tom Gross, and joining me as always is Dan Ream. Hello, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's getting colder outside, so the dungeon feels a little warmer, clammy, but warmer each each drop <laughs> in temperature. You are locked up in a different dungeon with a bunch of minions getting getting ready for the con that you're putting on here in a couple months. <laughs> That is true. That is true. Steam into Star Wars is right around the corner and the kids are fired up and we had, yeah, we had a big meeting tonight. Uh, all my student leaders and their minions, I'll call them Padawans or younglings, I suppose. Are, <laughs> yeah, that's better. Is, you know, they're all uh, there working and they're doing a great job. I cannot wait to see how this show turns out this year. We're getting some new vendors and hope to have a lot of our classic vendors that we have there. The, the podcasts, Star Wars podcasts, Coffee with Kenobi, Rebel Base Card podcast, and the Hyperion Hub, uh, having them all back this year too. So, yep, it's been busy. Rapidly turning into a regional, a regional event, Tom. What I'm shooting for. That's what I'm shooting <laughs> for. Got a bigger footprint of the school this year, too. So, hey, but we are not alone tonight. We have mm -hmm. a returning guest. I'd like to welcome back to the dungeon, Mark Oberly of Palladium Books. Mark, hello. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm I'm doing okay. You know, I, I, I noticed the uh, the bits of red and green stained glass that the goblins hung outside. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how the local <laughs> feels about the vandalism, but, uh, I mean, it really gives the place a nice festive look. Yes, so, I would agree. Don't don't ask them how they what they use to color the red glass. We'll just better not to know. Right, right. <laughs> There's some secrets that we don't tell <laughs> or we don't ask about. <laughs> certainly, certainly. It's a lot. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, great having you back. I know you've got lots of things to say. I'm going to toss it to Dan because Dan has this question he's been wanting to ask you for about two months. <laughs> so we're going to get into uh, some Palladium talk, I think, here. Yeah, sure. And and actually, we know you said you had some big news, so we're excited to get to that, but we'll let the anticipation get stoked a little bit higher here. Mm -hmm. um, one of the products of Palladium that I was really fascinated by is Nightbane. I, I looked through the description. I, I sort of tried to absorb how that world functions and, and everything, but I think definitely we come better a description from you who are much more immersed in the creation of all that and use of that. So can you tell us a little bit about the Nightbane setting? Yeah, absolutely. Nightbane is one of those, I, I think, somewhat hidden gems within Palladium's catalog. Uh, it's, it's, you know, kind of gone through periods of, of dormancy and then, you know, rejuvenation. So originally the line, the first uh, couple books in the line were written by C.J. Carella. And then there were a couple of follow-ups that were done over a few years, you know, a few years time by other writers that stepped in and would write a book for it. You know, they had ideas, Kevin liked it, but after that it, it sat, you know, kind of languished for, for years and years until I was in college. So that would have been, I think around 2003. 
So I, I picked it up in 2003 at a local hobby shop purely because the, the source book had mentioned the astral plane, which was something that had been mentioned in several other um, Palladium settings. For those that aren't familiar, um, Palladium Books does more than just, you know, fantasy or science fiction. There's multiple genres that they have that their catalog spans. So this was one that I hadn't really looked much into, but this source book had the astral plane. So pick it up and I, I read through the book and find that it just generates a lot of questions about these creatures called the Nightbane and these other, you know, opposing forces called the Night Lords. Um, and what's going on in that setting and in that world. So clearly, you know, since I, my interest was piqued, uh, I needed to go pick up the main book and, and see what was going on. And the more that I read into the series, the more questions I had. The mythos was just super deep and complex and left enough room for speculation that it really kind of was, was fodder for my imagination. And so by the time I read all the books that were available, I still hadn't had all my questions answered. And so I <laughs> generated my own headcanon, as a lot of us do, right? From there, it was, you know, I was kind of looking to see what was going on with that setting. No one was, you know, there was no news about anybody writing anything new. And that's when those that listened to the, the last episode that I was on might be familiar with the Palladium Open House which is the convention that they do once every three or four years now. But uh, in 2006, you know, we weren't sure that there was going to be more than just the one because the company was in, you know, in dire straits. And, you know, this was kind of a celebration in case, you know, in case things didn't go well, then this was kind of a last hurrah. And if it did, then this might be the start of, of a tradition. And it happened to come out that it was the latter. Uh, it was the start of a tradition. But uh, I got the chance to speak with Kevin, the, the owner and founder of the company. And he let me know that, you know, hey, I just, I'm just looking for someone to take what's there and run with it. So that seemed simple. I, I, I didn't understand why others hadn't done that since uh, the last uh, folks to, to get something published. But it worked out in my favor um, because my future writing partner, Irvin Jackson, and I got to talking about the the setting and our ideas for potential source books. And that led to a, a fantastic collaboration, the Nightbane Survival Guide. So that was, that was my first actual full book that Palladium put out, uh, myself and Irvin. Uh, and then Irvin went on to write, you know, more stuff uh, in the, the vein of Robotech whenever they had that license. And I have gone on to do things for, for some of the other settings as well, mostly Rifts. But, uh, but Nightbane, to answer your question of the world and how it works, it, it is very much a modern horror, urban fantasy you know, mashup. And so the, the general premise is that there is this event that happens called Dark Day, where 24 hours, there is no sunlight. And during that time, mankind obviously goes into panic mode because no one knows why the sun has suddenly seemed to have disappeared. There are reports of monsters and all sorts of strange phenomenon during this time which is of course dismissed by the media as you know mass hysteria or people panicking and you know seeing things that, that weren't actually there but in reality 
what it was is this invasion from a shadowy mirror dimension um, called the Nightlands that exists somewhat like on top of uh, you know Earth or very close to the Earth that we know, and yet it is its own plane of existence where the laws of physics and, and that kind of thing are just a little different. It's kind of a twilight realm in that there is no, you can't see any celestial bodies. You know, the weather is a little different. The elements seem to be almost inverted. So instead of large seas and that kind of stuff, they're, they're deserts of sand. Uh, and then there are even places where there's, normally you would find water, there's actually, you know, volcanic activity. But it's inhabited by these strange creatures that, uh, you know, the, the most malevolent of them are called the Night Lords. And for whatever reason, these night lords, they're very, very powerful, magical creatures. As a matter of fact, they've kind of evolved beyond the typical use of magic, which in Palladium is still very much, uh, you know, based on the spoken word and hand gestures even sometimes to kind of will that magic into the shape that you want it to be. But instead of using incantations, the night lords have, have gone straight to the point where they can manipulate reality directly. So they can, you know, generate energy and matter out of potential psychic energy, um, which is the, the, the magical fuel, if you will, in Palladium. And these beings have, you know, various and sundry henchmen that can shape change and, you know, metamorph or mind control. And so they very quickly invade and take over by replacing heads of industry, heads of state, you know, intelligence professionals, uh, military professionals, and uh, have this kind of covert takeover of Earth. And no one really knows necessarily what, why, or what their end game is. But what they do know is that life since then has gotten worse. The economy mm -hmm. in most countries is, is pretty poor. There's a lot of geopolitical instability. Uh, and, and it's interesting if you go and, and read the main book, and look at some of the events that have happened in the past, you know, decade or two, there's almost a prescient quality to the writing that CJ did about this, you know, potential dark future and some, some odd parallels to modern day in, in ways. Mm -hmm. What is different, obviously, you know, with these, these interdimensional demons beings coming in and taking over, they also seek to eradicate anything else that might be supernatural because anything that's supernatural has a chance of detecting them, uh, revealing their existence, whether by exposing them or by being caught themselves and, you know, turning mankind onto the fact that, hey, these things that go bump in the night are actually real. And so they embark on this campaign of genocide against things like vampires and um, these beings called the Nightbane. Now, the Nightbane themselves have a kinship with the Nightlands, which is that plane, that shadowy mirror dimension I mentioned earlier. And so there are various theories as to, you know, maybe these beings initially inhabited that plane or, you know, something. There's, there's a lot of, again, a lot of mythos, a lot of backstory that, that paints potential, you know, uh, scenarios about how this long-standing you know war and enmity between these two races uh, might have begun but what is known is that the nightbane 
are kind of an Achilles heel to the Night Lords. And so they, out of all of the supernatural beings, have the best chance of, kind of standing up to them and, and causing them grief and possibly even, you know, destroying them somehow. And so these Night Lords seek to eradicate Nightbane wherever they are. Well, the, the problem for the, the, the players, the heroes, is that most of them are liable to be Nightbane. And Nightbane, mm. by the way, look completely human for sometimes, you know, most if not all of their life. And then there's a certain segment of them, whether it's a majority or not, nobody really seems to know. They have a, an experience called the becoming at some point. And this is when they first shift into their inhuman form called the Morphous form. So their human form, they actually refer to as their facade because a lot of them seem to feel like, well, that's actually not the real me. And part of that may come from the fact that their Morphous form seems to resemble kind of a reflection of their innermost psyche. You know, one might say their true self, who they who they appear to be. And so one of the examples that I wrote for the survival guide, I think talks about, you know, the the meek kid, you know, in high school that that gets bullied and picked on, but is always, you know, willing to to stand up for, you know, others that are different or others that are being, you know, bullied in, in a similar way. His morphous form may be this dashing, you know, gallant knight in big plate armor and, you know, have this very noble bearing and so on and so forth, kind of reflecting that that inner hero. Whereas, you know, there may be someone that, that feels like they are a misfit and they don't belong and, you know, they they are a freak somehow. And so their their morphous may, you know, be more bizarre, more something that you might see in uh, in a Hellraiser movie. Uh, or something mm. to that effect. But they all struggle on some level with this notion of what they are. You know, now that I've become this nightbane um, and I have these two forms that I can shift between, am I, was I ever human to begin with? You know, am I still <laughs> human, you know, now, even though I have this monstrous form? Am I some kind of alien hybrid? Am I a mutant? Yeah, so there are all these competing theories as to what Nightbane really are. And part of the, the um, you know, interest in the setting are the various theories and, and kind of that search for truth and, you know, trying to determine what, what is really going on. What is this war of light and dark? You know, why are these Night Lords invading Earth? What do they want? What are they after? What are the Nightbane? How can they possibly fight back against this overwhelming force. So it, it, it has an elements of, you know, the superhero genre, you know, obviously very clear, you know, horror and fantasy themes. But one of the, one of the beautiful things I think about the setting and the game from a design standpoint is that it is a fantastic analogy for essentially growing up. You know, that that awkward phase there of puberty and that transition from being a child to an adult and all of the uncertainty that comes with that and how that can be very anxiety provoking and, and scary in ways. It's kind of a it's kind of a, an outward manifestation, uh, if you will, of those concepts and kind of amped up to 11. Right. 
Um, so it's, it's just a fantastic, fantastic series. I, I feel very privileged to, to be able to write for it and to have my personal headcanon become the actual honest to God, real canon of the, of the setting uh, was something oh, yeah. that blew my mind. That's kind of the, the overview of Nightbane in a nutshell. Were, were there other things that you were more curious about with it or, or other questions that you might've had? I, I think you hit pretty much everything. What the last thing you said kind of struck me. I had sort of a comparison that wasn't nearly as profound as yours. To me, the the Nightbane almost to me it felt kind of meta and representing kid uh, people who play D anD D even the very retiring person who chooses to be you know the brave warrior or whatever that is. But that's the part of what I was reading when I was on the website that really caught me that I thought was fascinating and would be very alluring to a lot of players is to get to play that you know i'm this type of character but really there's this hidden side that would be that would be really exciting i can see how that would would gain some pretty ardent followers oh yeah it definitely has uh, a cult following I, i'm not joking when i Probably one of my most embarrassing moments I've ever had as a as a creative professional is there was a, a convention that I attended several years ago, and one of the, as you said, very ardent fans, I was sitting on a panel, and he quite literally fell to his knees in the middle of the room and thanked me for <laughs> my role in bringing this game kind of back oh, around cool. and, and, and creating new material for this game that he loved so much. That, that he just he felt that he had to you know express that to me in person and and of course i'm sitting up there going please 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 get up like you don't it's, it's okay i'm just a person like you i put my pants on all the time like you it's it's, it's cool <laughs> that was one of the things that really kind of brought home the kind of the, the power that these games can have um you know the effect that it can have on folks yeah. And, and if used properly, you know, the force for good that they can be. Uh, I'm always down to, you know, discuss Nightbane. And I, I had never really made that connection uh, that you just did, Dan. That connection between that kind of, you know, stereotypical kind of, you know, meeker maybe personality that might gravitate towards the ability to, you know, live out that heroic fantasy through other escapism but now you like you said it's kind of this meta version where even that character that you're getting to live through is almost a reflection of that desire to mm -hmm. be a hero that's that's interesting i could sit and listen to you talk about the lore of nightbane for quite some time <laughs> I, so interesting but i have a question about logistics of yes. of the game itself so i i'm going to put two questions into one and and mm -hmm. let you run with that so sure. the first question is if someone is listening to this and they are like as enthralled and interested as i am sitting and mm -hmm. listening to you talk about it what what do they need to get started playing the game and then my second question is what what does the table, what does the game look like while it's being played? Is, is, it, is it what I'm, mm. I have in my head like it's a traditional, I'm going to go back to Dungeons and Dragons because that's what sure. most of us are familiar with. Mm -hmm. is, it, is it that kind of play or is it more of a role play, discuss, and it feels like it'd be much less roll of the dice and much more 
talk. So what do we need to play and how does it look? Sure, absolutely. So first off, what do you need to play? That's one of the beautiful things I find about, you know, role-playing in general, but, but Palladium especially. The traditional mix of dice, right? So you want your your at least one D20. Typically, players, the longer they play, it seems like the more they collect. I don't know if you've noticed, gamers tend to get a little uh, superstitious about their dice. And so sometimes <laughs> they, they want others to be able to, you know, if one's not rolling right, uh, you know, that night, well, I need to switch over to this other one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so the D20 for a lot of the the combat and some various other things, uh, percentile dice, so two 10-siders for skill, you know, skill rolls and for random rolling on tables. You'll want at least a D6, usually, you know, three or four D6 is better for things like damage. One to, you know, a handful of D4s for similar things. D8s aren't used near as much and i don't know that i've there might be one book in the the palladium catalog that utilizes a d12 for anything but yeah so as long as you have that pool of dice and there doesn't have to be more than you know one between the players if that's all that the players can come up with um, that's okay usually the players in the gm typically want to have you know, their own sets. And as far as what's needed beyond that, with Nightbane and most Palladium games, the, the main book. So unlike D&D and some other settings where there's, you know, the DM's handbook and various other, uh, you know, sundry uh, books that are needed to, to start playing, mm-hmm. with Palladium, it's one book. Uh, and if the, the game master uh, is the only one with the copy of the book, that's okay. Sometimes it can make it a little easier for reference if, you know, if everybody has the main book at least, but you don't have to have it. You know, that's a luxury. And so if you have one main book, a set of dice, and then some way to, you know, record a character sheet, um, and that can be, you know, physical, uh, you know, pieces of paper. I have seen people use Google Docs on their phone. People like myself, I anymore, I tend to have my own template in something like Microsoft Word, and I have multiple, you know, characters recorded that way, but just some way of, of record keeping, uh, you know, what those stats are, skills are, that kind of thing. Uh, the ability to, to take notes in some way can be useful, but not necessary. And other than that, you need yourself, your friends, and, and imagination. And that's really it kind of going more towards the the answer to your second part of that question i know some people will do more with like miniatures and maps and i've seen some really really nice really cool setups that people have done for conventions and and that kind of stuff i don't have the and i've even seen some stuff i think dan that you've posted on facebook about you know terrain and stuff that you make for your games Mm-hmm. I don't have the, the time or the inclination to do those things, but that's me. And so that's yet another kind of point to show that we all can customize and, and tailor our gaming experience based on our personal preferences. And, and you know, whether you're utilizing these games in a physical space or a virtual space, which is, you know, another kind of, you know, the new frontier for pen and paper role playing games in the past several years. So it can look like a lot of things as far as what gameplay looks like. That is so varied and and differs so much from the kind of traditional dungeon crawl-esque, you know, hey, here's the setting, here's your map of this facility that you're breaking into as part of your 
gamer group that's going in to rescue a colleague or try and find evidence of some you know misdeed that the the night lords are up to what their secret plan is etc etc so everything from the traditional dungeon crawl all the way up to the very like you were saying kind of you know less roll as in rolling dice and more roll with an e playing of of sitting around and and discussing things in character and i've i've had a lot of fun with both styles and, and everything in between in my games sometimes the most fun games that i've had there's hardly a, a hardly any combat at all and it's more about the you know investigation and the plotting and scheming and okay how are we going to achieve this objective and you know maybe some some skill roles or perception roles to to try and find what they're looking for or you know convince an npc that you know they should help the players do what they need to do very good that is cool that's exactly what i was looking for by the way (laughs) just painting that picture for me at as what what that table looks like cool so let's let's shift gears and move into a discussion of a of another game that has gone through a update or is in the process of going through an update and went through an amazingly successful kickstarter i'll let you share what the game is and how the success has gone. Yeah, absolutely. So for those who have not heard yet, first off, what rock are you living under? No, I kid. Um, <laughs> but so we Palladium Books just launched a Kickstarter uh, last month that ran for the, the traditional 30 days to release a somewhat updated, but uh, as far as rules-wise, content-wise, that kind of thing, um, but massively updated in the uh, graphical department version of the 80s classic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness role-playing game that was uh, one of Palladium Books' first products that they put out. As a matter of fact, for those that are interested in doing a deeper dive on this, Kevin Sabita, the the head of Palladium Books, is actually partially responsible for TMNT becoming the phenomenon that it is today. The reason being is uh, he and his pal Eric Wuchik became fans of the comic book, the original comic book by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird back in the early days, whenever all the turtles wore red and it was a little less pg the content and so they they were reading this this new comic book and they both kind of came together and were like oh my god have you read this this is fantastic and they were able to get in contact with with Eastman and Laird and got to write the you know get the rights and and do the role playing game and it, it was a huge success it was a huge success and they as part of that process introduced Eastman and Laird to, I forget the gentleman's name off the top of my head, but uh, oh, Mark Friedman of, of Surge Licensing. It was actually Surge that got the toy deal with Hasbro, which, you know, the, and the movie deal and all these other things that made them the huge household name that they are today. So uh, it's, it's interesting. They actually uh, interviewed uh, the toys that made us 
interviewed oh, yeah. Kevin for the series. And there's a brief little snippet. Apparently there was like two hours of interview that they did because <laughs> the guy they're doing in the interviewing was a huge fan. Um, but they only wound up using a very small segment of that, unfortunately, for mm-hmm. the for the show. But uh, they they talked to Kevin about uh, about that experience and about the role that he played. So yeah, it's it's an interesting little behind the scenes look. But the the Kickstarter, which is now closed, by the way, it, it pulled in somewhere into the tune of one point three million dollars in funding. <laughs> Um, wow. It was actually funded in a little over four hours. $250,000 was the goal. So they got a little over five times the, the amount that they were looking to bring this updated version to the market. And some of the, some of the, the exciting things about this, this latest edition of it is that for the first time ever, it's going to be full color. And so they're actually colorizing uh, all of the, uh, you know, Eastman and Laird and all the other original art in the books. So you're going to get to see those in full color for the first time. They've also got some uh, some additional really exciting artists, including, you know, industry names like Sophie Campbell and Freddie Williams, who have done some of the more recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles material for for various comics. Freddie, uh, interestingly enough, has a previous uh, association with Palladium Books. He's done art for them before, um, d- did some amazing art uh, years ago for them and has come back for this project to do some more killer art. They've got new art being uh, done by Eastman and Laird for the books, and by, which by the way, they're both supporters. They were supporters of the project and 100% on board with this coming back to Palladium. They were excited uh, to to get to you know kind of have a, a hand in the latest incarnation of the role playing game, and so obviously that has you know generated even more buzz. So yeah, there's a lot of people, uh, and I know that your uh, listenership can't uh, can't see it, but I'm wearing my classic 1990 <laughs> uh, you know Mirage Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles T-shirt. <laughs> Still managed to fit somehow. I'm not sure. But yeah, so it's we're super excited, super pumped about the project. There's a lot of people just that never thought that they would see something like this come to fruition. And and here we are, hopefully late next year, getting to see all these, you know, variant covers and uh, new interior art and kind of behind the scenes looks at, you know, some of the history, like what I shared with you guys so yeah, it's it's going to be a killer killer project. And the good news is, even though you know folks listening to this may have missed out on the Kickstarter itself, the books are actually going to still be available for purchase after you know the the Kickstarter uh, backers have have well, once those have been fulfilled, those orders have been fulfilled. Uh, you know those books should be available for purchase for folks mm-hmm. that, that want to. Get them that way. Uh, and uh, okay. other than the, the variance covers, they're actually doing another another version that I was just talking with Kevin about earlier tonight called the Black, uh, black White, and Red edition, I believe. That's not going to be full color, but it's going to be that more evocative black and white grayscale with the pops of red for, for nice. accent. Kevin was just... He was talking about they just recently kind of got the first tranche of art from from the guy that's doing that version, and they were dumbfounded how beautiful it looks. They mm. really think that a lot of people are going to to really, really be pumped whenever they see the finished product. Sounds like a noir type of feel yeah. to it. Yeah, that is 
Super cool. Well, I'm here's my hope is that when we get to see you at Gen Con in mm-hmm. Indianapolis next year, that that book will be on display. Is that would that be an expectation? Um, I I don't know that they will be available because I believe Gen Con is is generally in August. Mm-hmm. I think the the date that they're shooting for if things go according to plan will be sometime in September. So it may just be right after Gen Con (laughs) that they're available. Um, But there may be, there might be, there might, maybe there are some advanced copies that at least will be able to be there, you know, on display. But as far as for purchase, I don't, I don't know. And I, I would hate to, Overpromise and, and and under and have you know palladium be put in the position sure. under delivering so um, we can hope and fingers crossed maybe if there's some kind of miraculous thing that happens with the with the production process and and the, it goes even better than planned uh, perhaps but otherwise maybe you know there there should at least be i would imagine some art samples or something that you guys will be able to to, to feast your eyes on this was something by the way that it, I had to keep under wraps when I met you guys mm. <laughs> uh, because I, I knew this was in the works. Secret and upon secret. Yes, yes. <laughs> and this was definitely one of those where it was like, oh, darn, that 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 pesky NDA that I signed keeps me from, from <laughs> geeking out with these guys about it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. And I really look forward to seeing what may come of this potential renaissance for the TMNT RPG. That sounds like fun and something definitely to look forward to and kind of makes one wish that maybe they had gotten in on that uh, Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Uh, you know, if, if you, uh, if you cast around, you might be able to find somebody in your circle that maybe knows somebody that did, that would be willing to, you know, uh, take some money and, and add to their pledge and, and pick up stuff. Or, you know, Ooh. if not, like I said, those those books should hopefully be available. Um, you know, I, I know I know the Palladium's hoping um, September uh, time frame, but, you know, we all know <laughs> that things can happen, unfortunately, in, in on the production side of things sure. that may push that date off. And so we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, um, we'll go with late 2024. Definitely something to look forward to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, speaking of things to look forward to, you you had given us a hint that there is something that you wanted to share with us. And so, Dan, Dan, are you ready? Oh, yes. I've been ready. Okay. So let me yeah, let me let me hear. rummage around in my pack here. I know I brought the scroll with me. Um, <laughs> ah, yes, here it is. Okay, so uh, this is uh, this is a proclamation from like King Kevin Simbita. All right. Oh God, there's a lot here. Okay, so uh, I'm for the interest of time, I'm I'm gonna take out all the these and the thous and uh, and all that. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay so uh, all right. On this, the sixth day of December, yada, yada, yada. Uh, okay, I, King Kevin Sabita, Defender of the Realm, Grand Architect of the Palladium de- of Desires, yada, yada, yada. Uh, uh, okay, where's the, where's the good bit? Here we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, do solemnly pledge my support to Maesters Thomas Gross and Daniel Ream of the Scholars Guild in recognition of their fine work educating the adventurers of tomorrow. 
As such, my envoy will instruct you in how to request materials provided free of charge to assist you in this noble endeavor. And uh, oh, oh, hey, looks like he's uh, he's offering to send you guys some free swag and, and books and stuff for your guys' uh, gaming club. So I, this is this is where you wish the podcast were a video. Cast. Yes, because. <laughs> My my mouth my jaw hit the table. You didn't hear it. And my mic was muted. But what a wonderful, what a wonderful gesture, Mark. Thank you so much. And Kevin, thank you so much. This is wonderful. Yes. I, I I tell you, when I told Kevin about the podcast and and your guys's mission with uh you know with the the gaming club and with the summer camp that you guys put on. Um, he was impressed, you know, he, he was impressed and, you know, he is a, an ardent supporter of, of educators and, and really believes in RPGs and their power to, to do good for the, for youth and, and, um, you know, being able to share that with you guys and, and help out in some small way. He's, he's all about it. So he was, he was only too happy uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't have to say anything, suggest anything. He was like, well, they need, they sh- you should have them get a hold of me. You know, I just put some stuff together for another group or whatnot. He's like, I'd be happy to to pull some materials together and, and send it to a free of charge. So, yeah, he was he was very happy wow. to, to hear about you guys and hear about what you're doing. So I'll, I'll after the, the show, I'll, I'll give you the details on, uh, on how you can reach out to, to them and let them know who you are. And then he can he can pull some some stuff together that you guys would feel would be most appropriate, um, and and provide that to you guys to to help support your mission. So, well, thank you, and thank you for uh, for uh, making him aware of us. That's uh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, this is hey, only this is only great. happy to help, guys. What great news that indeed! Is... Thank you so much uh, for all of that. I, I'm kind of speechless, to be honest with you. I'm just <laughs> sitting. <laughs> Not just good thinking. for a podcaster, Tom. Come on. Oh, right. So that's that's the magic of podcasting also, because even though I'm speechless, Dan's going to Dan's going to take those pauses out and no one's going to even know except that I said something. <laughs> well, that is wonderful, because one of our one of our missions kind of moving forward is is to, to start introducing students to a variety of role playing games, you know, mm-hmm. We all we all know we've all heard of Dungeons and Dragons. That's sort of the that has been for at least our club. That's the gateway sure. into it. You know, everyone everyone knows all about it. But you know, this year we started by bringing in. Um, oh, let's see. We've got. Um, oh, Marcus is running a Dungeon Crawl Classic, and we've got <laughs> an, a student running the new Marvel RPG. So this is this is a great opportunity for us to bring in Palladium games to yeah. and introduce them to our students and so wow this is this is an amazing i'm i'm just so happy by that uh by that message so mark thank you like dan said thank you for passing our uh message on to kevin and then in return thank you to kevin for this gesture this this means a lot to us but it will also mean a lot to our kids um, and then moving forward as as gamers, when they graduate from high school and they mm-hmm. go to college and they, right, you know, and, and their friends are like, let's role play, and 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 they're like, oh, let's let's do, and they'll be like, what game do you want to play? And and they'll be able to introduce a variety of things to their friends as well. So indeed, this is great. Thank you so much, Mark. 
uh, you're, you're more than welcome guys. Well, I don't know, Dan, I don't know that I can, I can go on any further. How are you doing? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta man up here and do the, do the closer. I do. So <laughs> Mark, as always, it is lovely and wonderful to talk to you. I just, I could listen to you tell stories about these, the lore of these worlds of Palladium. And I look forward to having you back on the show someday. Um, tell people, tell our listeners where they can find Palladium um, information, maybe social media, website, uh, where they can buy Palladium games. And, uh, and let's get that information out there. Yeah, absolutely. So the primary source, obviously, is straight from the horse's mouth. That's www.palladium, spelled with, spelled P-A-L-L-A-D-I-U-M, books.com. Um, so there's a, the website, they have their online store, uh, there are message boards that people can join um, to ask questions if you know new players are getting into the game and they have some questions about the rules or ideas for adventures or you know character creation, that kind of thing. There's a pretty robust fan community there that, that's always willing to help. And then uh, as far as other ways that people can access the books themselves, um, depending on where they're listening to this, obviously, you know, North America, primarily U.S. and Canada, um, your your friendly local gaming store should be able to get just about anything um, Palladium from their distributors. And then I, I know Amazon is something that that you know people have have found products on before. I I know that they were. Palladium was looking at doing more with, um, you know, supporting, you know, Amazon sales and that kind of stuff. I don't know where, like what the status of that is. And then you can obviously find sometimes through, you know, like used books and through, you know, secondhand, you know, bookstores or, or eBay, that kind of thing. Um, but I will say, you know, one of the, the cool things with Palladium is how reasonably priced the, the material is, especially when you compare it to, to a lot of the other, you know, companies, so it's always always awesome when people can you know support the company by buying directly from them, because um, you know the more people support it, then the more likely it is that you know they can pay people like me to create more stuff for <laughs> you to buy, right? right so, right. so yeah, support Palladium there. Um, socials, I know that uh, there is a Facebook. Uh, you know, is on Facebook if you you know look them up. Um, there's various fan groups as well, you know, for people interested in, in oh, you know, yeah. getting together for like-minded in, with my, like-minded individuals. Um, and then I know that there are, uh, you know, like Discord channels and, uh, you know, groups on places like Roll20 that, that run Palladium. So if people want to go and, and check it out and, and try and jump in on a game whenever they, they get going, uh, they're out there. They're out there. So, you know, keep your head on a swivel and go find this this cool stuff that, that we love to share with all of you guys. That is great. And I know someplace, um, probably on the website, you can correct me, um, you can sign up for a an email newsletter. I know I get we get an email newsletter uh, weekly, I think, uh, yeah. that gives all sorts of information. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great source of info and one that, you know, you, you don't have to go and, and scrounge around to, to find it. They send it right to your, your inbox. So, yeah, yeah. Makes it nice and convenient. Well, Absolutely. as always, been wonderful visiting with you, Mark. And yeah, I think it's time. The, the goblins are getting a little restless. I hear them with their brooms and whatnot, getting ready to clean up the dungeon. So I think it's time probably to uh, close things up here. But 
wanted to say again, thank you to, to Mark and Dan. It's always great to visit with you. So I will close it out by saying for Mark Overlay, Dan Ream, I am Tom Gross. This is Teachers in the Dungeon. And everybody, I think everybody here in this room has rolled 20s, but I want everyone else out there <laughs> to roll 20s as well. We'll see you next time, folks. Goodbye. That wraps up today's session. So thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.